You are listening to the Glass Cannon Network, the premier source for role-playing game entertainment. Girls, children of all ages, it's Friday night, and it's time for chaos. We are back. It's a new year, and this is the longest I think I've ever gone uh, between recording uh, episodes of anything. Maybe COVID. Maybe COVID was a longer time. No, I think this is actually longer than COVID because it's been over a year since we have sat together to record an episode. What? Seriously? Yes. It has been over a year. Uh, it's actually been about 14 months. Now, you guys watching this home, you've definitely had to wait longer than a year to see this, but it's been about 14 months since we recorded the finale. Yeah. Isn't that, that crazy? Does yeah. it feel like yesterday? You're giving a face like, it feels like just yesterday. We gathered around the Just making the old... me more uh, reassess everything else that's happened in my life since the last <laughs> <since laughs> recorded. I'm like, oh, no. That's not a lot. Did yeah. you peak with the season finale? And I think just- so. That might have been it. <laughs> I feel like that we plateaued, and I feel like I should have made more progress in the intervening fourteen yeah. months. <laughs> time isn't real. Uh- yeah, yeah. The true horror is the inexorable march of time. <laughs> I just remember when we last recorded. I was like, oh, and the next time we record, I will have accomplished so much in my life. Be a yeah, whole new person. Don't think about that part. Don't think about that part. But you know what? You've got another 20 weeks there to we accomplish go. Oh, so much, yeah. uh, at least <laughs> with this game. Maybe it'll trickle over into your life. Uh, but yeah, that seems like a long time, 14 months. It does in some ways. It doesn't in others because I started re-listening to some of it in preparation. I was like, oh, my God, I forgot so much. But in many ways, it feels like just yesterday. Once you start diving back into the material um, – but I'm uh, I'm excited to be back. I've been like in my car the past like month or so, uh, just say like driving, being like it's Friday night and it's time again. Like practicing just that. Practicing. <laughs> I think I stumbled over boys and girls, so it didn't come out perfect. I really didn't have a plan, but I'm just excited to say it. It really, uh, it's. It, the first Friday appointment television since Full House. I think that's what <laughs> oh, they said. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's what they said. That's what they said on the inner. Interweb. Uh, but I'm very excited. Uh, I'm excited to be back for season two. Uh, uh, if you're just joining us for the first time, holy shit, you've got a treasure of 20 episodes of season one that launched, uh, in 2022. Uh, and we are back for season two where we, we are playing a, uh, a playthrough of the seminal Call of Cthulhu adventure masks of Nyarlathotep. Uh, we did the Peru uh, section, which was a prologue that was written uh, long after it was ever published uh, as a way for the investigators to uh, get to know uh, one of the key figures uh, who was immediately murdered at the beginning of the New York <laughs> chapter, which we played to its uh, completion. Uh, and that was the season finale. I'll get to the recap later. First of all, I want to thank uh, our sponsor uh, for the episode. Uh, 
for the season. Uh, and that's Call of Cthulhu. That's Chaosium, the, uh, the, uh, publisher of Call of Cthulhu. They are, uh, our sponsor. They, uh, we've been working a lot with them lately and they are just fantastic. We're going to be doing a lot more exciting things with them, but they saw the season and they were like, Hey, good luck. No one's ever finished this campaign, <laughs> but here's a couple bucks. Um, so I'm excited for them and they're not a sponsor, but I've been saving this blood orange kombucha that just came out to drink just for this episode. So Synergy, if you're out there and you want to sponsor, I think this would be a good sponsor. Yeah, um, it would. I like their kombucha also. Nothing screams masks of Nyarlathotep like kombucha. Like a fungus you can drink. Blood yeah, it orange. Is, it is uh, Lovecraftian. It is just like a a blob of biomatter that you refer to as the mother. That's true. <laughs> there's, there's stuff crawling around in there. Yeah. Uh, how how was everybody doing? I mean, we we had a, like a quick little <laughs> ready everybody everybody's mic ready, and then we, we're live. And we really this group has hung out piecemeal. Uh, and I guess in L.A. we were all in the same room together, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Did yep. we did we like high five? Did we actually? No, I'm. I think I'm remembering that maybe there was a group photo, and I was like, ah, oh, I have a gas gas. Did we do that? <laughs> I think we did. Yeah, we got a photo. Absolutely. We talked. Yeah. We you know we got some good FaceTime in. I never felt I never feel shorter than when I'm standing next to Rob and Ross. Um, <laughs> that was power. That was fun. Yeah, we didn't really talk about anything else. But you, everybody, everybody's good. Everybody's everybody's uh, living living the dream. Chilling, waiting yeah, for man. various strikes to end. Uh, so <laughs> yeah. I can, yeah, we striking. We're hey, out. maybe striking. by the time this airs, uh, you'll be uh, you'll be back looking for work. Um, yeah, as opposed to not being allowed to look for work. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> but uh, at least. You'll have to, you'll have this forum with which to play pretend. And I'm pretty excited. I could goof off for 10 minutes, but I, 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 I've been waiting long enough. You've been waiting long enough. The audience has been waiting long enough. I think we jump in and we play. And the best way that I can start today is with a pretty thorough recap that still barely scratches the surface of everything that we did in season one. Um, and so I, I highly recommend if you enjoy this and you didn't listen to all of it, listen to it. Uh, it there's there's some magical, magical episodes in that, and I'm excited to see what magic we create with a little season two, a little S two. Um, but season one introduced us to our four heroes, our four investigators, as they're called in Call of Cthulhu parlance. Uh, we have Feruz Gibran, uh, a graduate student at Miskatonic University, studying occult cryptology, among other things. Uh, We have Margot Sauer, a German-born photographer and artist. Vaughn Villiers, a uh, British veteran of the Great War, turned uh, rather well-to-do dilettante. And uh, Carter Tillinghast, a con man in debt to the mob. Four very curious people from four very different walks of life. And when our story began, it found all of them in Peru in March of 1921, where they all traveled to join an expedition to find a lost pyramid hosted by a man named Augustus Larkin. There were promises of of riches and great knowledge on the table. But everyone had their own reason for traveling to Lima. So, the four of you get there to the 
bar, a couple Pisco Sours are ordered, uh, and you meet with Larkin and his uh, strange associate, a man by the name of Luis de Mendoza. They're giving off weird vibes, like they're not telling the whole story of what they're after. But after meeting them, they take their leave, and another man who's uh, joined the expedition stays behind, a man going by the name of Jesse Hughes. Of course, after Larkin and de Mendoza leave, Hughes reveals to the investigators that his real name is Jackson Elias. He is a writer from New York who joined the expedition to research a death cult in the area. This is a death cult of alleged fat-sucking vampires known as Kari Siri. There are a lot of local legends uh, that he thinks may have some truth to them. There are no vampires, he says, but there is a death cult, and it's alive and well somewhere in and around Peru. In fact, he believes Larkin may be leading all of you into danger and may be involved with the cult. So you go on this expedition, and sure enough, the Karasiri are all too real. In fact, Larkin's associate, de Mendoza is one of these creatures. They're conquistadors who long ago came here, fell under a curse, which made them both ageless and hunger to suck the fat out of people and animals, only to return to the pyramid where they were first cursed and vomit this fat back into the pyramid as like a uh, sacrifice for their god, a gift. Now, Larkin, while not a Carisiri himself, is possessed by some great being who's driving the ship. And this this being reveals themselves to you at the pyramid using Larkin's body as its mouthpiece. You are forced to kill Larkin and you free him from the possession, but not before feeling like this god or whatever it is that was inside Larkin has marked you in some way. Larkin's disembodied head actually floats up at one point, and the voice, I think it's Larkin's voice, but it's clearly not Larkin, says, we will meet again. You enter the pyramid, you fix a broken seal, thus assuring that the cult of the Karasiri will eventually die out. And this is evidenced by the spontaneous decomposition of de Mendoza, who catches up with you at the pyramid and just melts away. Now, during this time, you not only become close with each other, but you become close with this Jackson Elias as well. He seems like a nice guy. You have some real intense moments, especially underneath the pyramid when sanity is uh, being stretched. Four years pass after that. And having faced these true horrors from beyond, all of your lives have irrevocably changed. Then one day... In January 1925, you receive a telegram from your old buddy Jackson Elias inviting you to New York. It's a rather short telegram. Tells you he has information about the Carlisle expedition and needs a reliable investigative team to help him. That's pretty much it. Now, maybe you've heard of the Carlisle expedition. Maybe you do some research. But essentially, the story of this expedition is there was a 24-year-old millionaire playboy by the name of Roger Carlisle, kind of a black sheep and wastrel amongst his family. 
and he funded an archaeological expedition to Egypt, which departed New York sometime in 1919. The principal members of this expedition were Sir Aubrey Penhugh, a wealthy, noted Egyptologist, Hypatia Masters, a beautiful society girl, an accomplished photographer, Jack Brass Brady, Carlisle's confidant and bodyguard, and Dr. Robert Houston, a uh, fashionable psychoanalyst who was at all the sexy New York parties. The expedition sailed to London to consult with Sir Aubrey on matters concerning ancient Egypt. Then they departed for Egypt after performing several desert excavations. An important find was rumored. No one really knew what it was. But at some point, the principal members departed Egypt from Mombasa, Kenya, where they quickly went inland into the Nairobi wilderness and vanished. In March... 1920, a local tribesman told authorities a party of whites were seen near the Mountain of the Black Wind. This is a local name for one of the high Kenyan peaks. Rumors began to circulate that the expedition had been destroyed. On hearing of the missing expedition, Roger Carlyle's sister, Erica Carlyle, traveled to Africa and hired a search party. And after 10 weeks of searching, the remains of the expedition were found. While the corpses were remarkably preserved, what little was left was torn to shreds by animals. Blame was quickly pinned on local tribesmen who were summarily tried and executed. The expedition members were declared dead, and the incident was forgotten. What did Jackson Elias get mixed up in this time, you probably think to yourself? But you like this guy. And maybe after four years away from Peru, something is calling you back to get the band back together. So you all travel to New York to see your good friend. You arrive at his room in the Chelsea Hotel and enter to find him dead on the floor. His intestines ripped out and strewn about the room and a strange symbol carved onto his forehead... His killers, three men with these weird headbands, flee through the fire escape. You chase them, but they get away. You search his apartment and find a few disparate clues, then flee off into the night. A couple days later, you go to his funeral, where you meet his publisher and close friend, Jonah Kensington, as well as his lawyer and confidant, Carlton Ramsey, who invites all of you to the reading of Jackson's will. Jackson had been acting strange lately. He was in fear for his life, and he left a message for his friends should anything happen to him. He knew he was in danger. Evidently, while following up on the cult that you encountered in Peru together, Jackson then traveled to Africa, where his research led him to believe that not all members of this Carlisle expedition died. Jackson was the type of guy that loved a good story, and this was amazing. He was looking for one thing, finds out this, he decides to pursue this story. He believed that there was a blood cult involved. And not only that, something possibly earth-shattering was going on. So you speak to Jonah Kensington and he shares with you Elias's correspondence with him 
Elias had basically retraced the Carlisle Expedition's route, traveling to both Egypt and Kenya. At one time, he sent a wire from Hong Kong and mentioned something about needing to go to Australia. He was all over the place. Now, the last note that Kensington got from Jackson was from London, where he sounded a little off talking about a conspiracy of monstrous worldwide proportions. He then took a freighter for New York, updated his will, left some crazy ramblings with Kensington, and a day later was murdered. So the four of you band together to investigate Jackson Elias's murder, all the while trying to decipher what his interest in the Carlisle expedition was. And eventually you discover that Elias was killed by a cult known as the Cult of the Bloody Tongue. Jackson was always investigating these death cults and blood cults for his writings, so his friends kind of always assumed he would press too far and it would all catch up with him. But it appears that this cult in residence in New York has ties back to Africa and was somehow connected to Jackson's interest in the Carlisle expedition. So you trace this cult all over New York and eventually to an African antiquities shop in Harlem called the Juju House. After finally convincing the dirty cops at the local precinct who framed a a local man for all the murders and disappearances that the cult did, they're taking hush money from this cult. You convince them that they're doing that. You then attend a police raid of the Juju House on the night of one of their big ceremonies. And the four of you stand outside and watch as cop after cop flees in terror as uh, what they've seen in the basement of Juju House. You've been to that basement. You know there's some crazy stuff down there. But the cops are running out mad. Others clinging to life, holding on to their sides as their guts are coming out. You enter the Juju house and go downstairs. And you see a massacre of bodies, cops and naked cultists alike. There's a massive pit with some abomination writhing and moaning within, made up of the discarded corpses of all the cult sacrifices. The cult leader, Makunga Madari, comes out and attempts to cast an eldritch spell. Margot runs up to him and blows him away with a shotgun, not before suffering a major wound and almost dying herself. Meanwhile, Poor Vaughn, ever on the brink of insanity, has another bout of madness where he grabs Carter and attempts to throw him at this writhing mass of faces in the pit. While Feyruz, poor Feyruz is left to dispatch a zombified version of the woman whose husband was framed for the cult's murders. A woman who was captured by the cult after sharing information with you. You are forced to dispatch with what remains of her and every other threat and after you come out alive barely with your sanity intact barely in his death throes Makunga Madari screams the name Nyarlathotep walking in the footsteps of both Jackson Elias and the Carlisle expedition There are so many different ways for you to go. And while so much has happened, the investigation has just begun. And that recap really 
just scratches the surface <laughs> of what went down. Margot, seeing hallucinations of a tub filled with maggots, continually finding a photograph that she never took, a photograph she keeps destroying that keeps showing up, putting on a mask and seeing a blood orgy atop a great mo- mountain. Vaughn putting on that same mask and seeing visions of red rocks and a man painting on the walls. Not to mention Vaughn talking to and interacting with his dead lover! Feyruz's discoveries in the book Africa's Dark Sex and Descending into Madness as she unlocks mythos, mythos knowledge in all of these tomes that you've found. All of you being attacked by some dragon-like creature that crashed through your window at the Waldorf Astoria. It was a wild season. Mm-hmm. Like I said, there's going to be a lot of housekeeping that we have to do today, but there's one thing that Margot did as we were improvising the the end of last season you said that you put that mask back on that mask yeah that you found um, yeah I feel like we before Vaughn and I we kind of just looked into it I feel like she put it on after all of this she put it on completely Mm. so the Nightmare Juju House occur- occurred on Saturday, January 24th. We're doing a pretty good job of keeping track of time here. Um, I think after everything we saw after that, Hilton Adams being freed, dropping to his knees and screaming, Feyruz pouring over all these tomes, going to see her father, Vaughn staying by Margot's bedside, because Margot's going to be in the hospital. Margot being initiated into the order, that probably takes about a week. Now, the way we played it out at the end of the last episode, we saw you being initiated first, presenting that cage mask that you found uh, in the alcove of the basement of Juju House and all the robed figures. Can't see their faces, just sort of nodding in approval. So I think we go back there and see them all nodding while you hold this strange cage with four faces on it. And then, as you're standing there, wearing that robe, we see a large, dark stain start to spread out in a circle right on your side. And, you know, I imagine you don't want to make a big stink about it because everybody in the room is looking at you. But if you put your hands down there, you see that it's blood coming from this wet spot. It's blood pouring out of all of the wounds that you suffered during the attack at Juju House. Maybe your fellow investigators uh, patched you up after the fight, but it's at that moment you realize you need to go to the hospital. And mechanically, you have a major wound. You sustained a major wound, and there's a whole set of things that have to happen to try and get rid of that wound, but it requires serious medical attention. So at some point, we see you bow out of that initiation, take a cab straight to Bellevue or wherever, and it's there, perhaps, in your hospital bed, we, we see you start to regain some strength, reach into your bag, and pull out this golden mask that you found in Luis de Mendoza, the Kari Series hotel room in Peru. And that was before you even knew he was a fat-sucking vampire. If you remember, the back of the mask has this like mirror-like sheen to it. It's more mirror than mask. You bring it up to your face... And it's almost like your face is being pulled towards it. 
Make a power roll. Let's roll some dice. Oh, jeez. So sweaty. I'm just picturing her like loopy from the meds that she's on being like, yeah, this is a great idea. (laughs) Whacked out on ether. 25 under 85. If my power is still 85. Uh, It is. All right. So you succeed. Good for me. Bad for you? Suddenly, you put that mask on, and the mask is now gone from your hands, and you're no longer in a hospital bed. You have been transported to what looks like uh, an artist's studio, and it looks so familiar. Do you think you had a studio back in Germany, like maybe one that you set up on your own, or did you have like a pro studio? Um, I think that she had a studio at school and then her teacher Gunter probably allowed her to use like whatever setup he had maybe at his house or if he had like a shed and she would maybe use that also maybe during the summer when the studio she didn't have access to it. So at first you're like, am I here in school? Or wait, am I in Gunter's shed? It's so familiar but yet so different and then either it changes like a dream where you're in one place and all of a sudden you're another or maybe your perspective changes and you realize you're in an attic and it's an attic full of paintings there's paintings everywhere so much so that you can't see deeper into the room you don't even know if there are other people in the room just this maze of paintings and As you take in your surroundings, you just hear this, like, scratching sound. And it's it's feverish. And it's coming from somewhere deeper in the room. What do you do? I guess try to find it. (laughs) Yeah, work my way through the maze of paintings. Like, oh, where, where is that coming from? You walk towards this feverish, scratching sound and you're maybe glancing at these paintings as you pass by, and each are filled with unspeakable acts and scenes of horror. But you are drawn towards this scratching sound, and finally you go right past one easel, and you see a a man, like, huddled in a corner, like, crouched, and he's just, like, frenetically painting something, throwing paint, scratching with a paintbrush. He's painting something. And just as you sort of see him, he stops with his back to you. And then he starts to turn slowly to look at you. And as you see his profile, you realize his face is not human. But before he turns all the way around, you feel this like wet, long thing wrap around your neck. And you just scream as it squeezes at you and you close your eyes, hoping that you'll open them back up in the hospital. But when you open them, you are in a desert. And you look up and see the sun overhead. But... Imagine you go outside right now and look at the sun, because we're recording this in the afternoon. The sun, there's a little circle up there. This, like, takes up the entire landscape, like video game-sized sun. A huge, huge sun that blots out the sky almost. 
It almost looks like it's crashing towards the earth, moving towards you. And then it gets closer and closer and closer and blacks out, almost like an eclipse, except it happens in an instant. And you can still see the outline of the circle of where the sun should be. But then out of that black hole emerges from all sides a mass of tentacles that just starts to spread out all over the world is what it feels like. Just grasping in its hands or its tentacles, I should should say, and just squeezing the life out of it. And you start to feel the squeezing as well, like you're having a heart attack and you wake back up in your bed. Give me a sanity roll. (laughs) (laughs) Damn. Um, Sanity, eh? Okay, let's see. 84 at 84. Okay, you lose one D3 sanity. So roll a D6. And if you roll a a one, you lose one. Excuse me, one, two, you lose one. Three, four, you lose two. Five, six, you lose three. One. Okay, not bad. And we come out of that. Maybe. Just had to resolve that. That was a good idea then, I see. That was just bothering me from all last season. I want to make sure we resolve that. Uh, you were about to do that right at the end of the last episode. And you're like, ah, we'll, fuck it, we'll wait. Ah, we'll open next season. Um, so yet again, more visions. You didn't even have to put that mask on before, just being close to it. But putting it on has transported you and shown you more unspeakable visions. But the overwhelming sense you get, yet again, is dread an impending doom. Now, I think we did this after Peru. Um, there is a uh, investigator development phase. This is kind of like your level up. And it's uh, especially good for you guys where uh, your sanity is running thin because mm-hmm. based on certain things you do, you're going to get some sanity back. You're going to have a chance to heal some wounds and uh, you're going to have a chance to boost up some skills. Um, so, Let's just walk through your rewards for solving Jackson Elias's murder. Yes. Everybody gets 1d8, excuse me, 1d6 sanity points. So go ahead and uh, oh. give it a roll. Much this needed. Is, these are going to be huge, especially for poor Vaughn. Vaughn, yeah. what are you starting uh, off at? I should ask everybody what everybody's starting oh, yeah. off Y'all, lest we forget, our friend <laughs> Vaughn Villiers is hanging by a dang old thread out of his... Max sanity of 93. His current sanity is, count him, 14. Oh, oh my God. Baby. I remembered 14, yeah. Oh, my God. Wow. Yeah, didn't so, you have, like, multiple breaks? Uh-huh. Like- oh, yeah. I need some TLC and bad. So let's see how let's see how this six-sided die does for me. <laughs> Maybe I crack crack 20. You don't, you never know. Yeah, and Vaughn <laughs> is also indefinitely insane uh, as well, uh, which is something we'll deal with before we move on. <sighs> Well, two ain't nothing. Hey, so God. My sanity is oh, 16. Gentleman 16. Uh, Rob, what did Carter boost? What was, what was Carter at and what'd you get? Carter is at 43. Uh, and I just got five. Hey, all right. Respectable. Feeling good. Stop hogging all the sanity. Uh, <laughs> Kate, what about Margo? Must be nice. Um, I was at 83 after that one loss and I got two back. Oh, wow. The rich yeah, get richer. Margo is hella sane. Yeah. It's nice when you're a beginning character because, like, maybe you can live, but I'm kind of itching to, like, become 
wild. <laughs> Don't worry, there'll be plenty of time for that. Yeah. Uh, and uh, Fairuz. Uh, Fairuz was from a 97 was down to a 73. Jesus, uh, 97. Oh, 97 is your max, guy. Yeah. So, <laughs> 73 is still ridiculous. Down no. to 73. She was tweaking a little bit with that scepter, speaking to her father last right. we saw her. Tweaking. Um, do I have to do a sanity roll or just roll the nope, D6? No, you just get D6 back. Just get a D6 back. Just a one point. <laughs> just a one, okay. Uh, for exonerating Hilton Adams, obviously his story is uh, especially tragic, but you did clear his name. Maybe he'll be able to pick up the pieces of his life and start over. Either way, you get one D4 sanity points back for that. Okay. So give it a roll. I'm just going to walk through these, just roll them and add them uh, as we go through. Uh this next one is interesting for exposing Captain Robeson as a corrupt cop. I debated this one. Michael and I both debated it. And uh, I, I think that uh, maybe uh, you didn't make it public and let everybody know, but you certainly got to him. And uh, whether he changes his ways or not, I think you you exposed him to himself and let him uh, realize the error of his ways. So you get 1d2 sanity points back for that. Um, again, that's a 1 on a 1-2, unless you have a d3 sitting around. Two back on a three four and three on a five six. Um, I think you could say that Makunga Madari was neutralized um, <laughs> by the shotgun to the face. That opened his entire torso. <laughs> and again, I don't know. If I, I think we talked about this during the show, but I've thought about that moment over and over and over again because you got a bad guy, you want to do something cool, right? And then you step up and annihilate him. However, one. That's Call of Cthulhu. Like, that shit happens all the time. And two, if Margot misses that shot, she dies on the next round. A thousand percent no questions. Like, that's the danger of doing this. That's the danger of jumping out of a fire escape mm-hmm. in the, the first New York episode. Oh, right. <laughs> uh, but sometimes cool shit happens. Uh, so for neutralizing Makunga Madari, give yourself another D6. Is that for oh. everybody? Yeah, it's everybody. Oh hell yeah! Yeah, every these are these are all across the board. Oh, finally! Yeah, the, this this is what keeps you in the game for a little bit. Uh, if the cultists have been broken up or eliminated, yeah, I'd say there were a lot of a lot of, a lot of dead bodies there. Give yourself another D four. Okay. And uh, unfortunately, here's when we're going to lose some sanity. Oh. Uh, <laughs> I was having such a great time. If Millie Alley <laughs> yeah. dies, oh, you lose one no. d four sanity. Yeah. That's in, in addition to the sanity you may have lost when Gosh. you were exposed to her in that stage. That's a bummer. Yeah, max okay. that out. Just let me know if anybody rolls a four because that's really sad. Yeah, that's me. That's <laughs> you, I think you. Uh, I think you, had a, you felt for her. You really. Uh, I rolled yeah, a four yeah. on the last one that we got. Like you're like roll d four, get that back, and then I just completely un- negated it. Yeah. Uh, I mean, there's ways that you can gain more and loss that you just didn't tick. Now, here's something interesting. They have, uh, for defeating Mythos monsters, because different Mythos monsters are going to appear throughout this game, you get some back. You didn't get all these, like that fucking dragon thing that came after you. You escaped, but I think he's going to live to fight another day. However, those zombie-like creatures that you fought, Millie Adams being one of them, give yourself a D8 insanity back for that. So the beauty of that is sort of mitigates what you may have lost in facing it. Shit. Vaughn needs that aid. Oh, uh, folks, you'll be happy to know I just cracked 30. Yeah! Yay! Yay! Feels like episode one again. I'm back, uh, baby. 
Well, here's a good one. That mass of faces. Uh huh. Get one d10 for defeating Ooh. that. Oh. I, uh, I I would call that defeated. I can't remember what exactly. You oh, did. we fucking pressure cooked that thing. <laughs> I think you like. Didn't you throw fire down there? And yeah, shut we, we shut the lid and just let it simmer. Yeah. That's so, right. anybody got a nice sweet nine or ten? No, I got a nine. Ooh. But I'm already at my max. Yeah. God damn it. <laughs> That's wild. <laughs> mm-hmm. That uh, is wild. This is like when Jeff Bezos makes another million dollars. Yeah. Like, what are you going to do with this? Dude? I, I roll a three. Another rocket ship. Uh, all right. So that's those are the bonuses that you get just for uh, doing what you were supposed to do. There's going to be other opportunities to gain some sanity back. And honestly, that's going to be the bulk of the episode of these sort of like, what happens next? What happens to your minds? Still some more housekeeping. Margo, you suffered a major wound. Uh-huh. This is no joke. Major wounds can uh, kill you if you don't receive proper care. Um, so here's the good news. The good news is if we're putting you in a hospital, that is a restful place. If you're receiving proper care, that is good. That is going to give you bonus di- two bonus dies on this check. Um, if you were just like sleeping in a back alley with a like mob surgeon, you, know, well, you might get a penalty die, but you are like... <laughs> In a hospital, in a restful place with the with the with the best care, uh, you've got friends by your side. So go ahead and give me a uh, con check, but you're going to roll, you know, two bonus dice. So you've got you're really you've got three chances here uh, to succeed, and you you know there's different vary different variations of success here. So I've got two extra tens that I'm rolling. Two extra tens All for a right. total of three. Here we go. Where's my con? There it is. Con! All right. Um, Just give me your best. My best one is, what's the skull? A ten? A skull? Like the on the? Are you using Tic Tacs? Someone <laughs> gave me these. I think they might be called oh, Cthulhu like vampire, vampire dice. dice? Do they have, yeah, I think they're vampire dice. Skull so money. ten and then a zero, so a ten. Uh, Under fifty-five. A ten and a zero is a one hundred. Right? Is yeah, 10 and 0 or double oh, would zeros? would it be 0? Oh. Yeah, 10 so and 0 is 100. That's, so that's no good. That's 40. 40 under? 55. Okay, it's regular success. Oh, All geez. right, so you did an extreme success, which means you're, you're, you have a chance of your major wound continuing. Now give me, uh, roll a d6 and tell me what you roll. You okay. want to roll a 3 or higher. Okay. 2. Okay. You gain back 1 hit point. <laughs> you needed to gain back two to automatically remove their major wound. No, this all this is just housekeeping. This all this is to say you may have to stay in the hospital longer, which will prolong the next leg of the mission, or you may just suck it up and uh, hop on a boat and uh, receive not as good care. Uh, we can decide this. Let's talk about these tomes you've been reading. <laughs> Feruza, she loves her tomes. Tome Love talk. It. Tome talk. Um, we, we've, we've discovered a number of tomes. There was Africa's Dark Sex, um, S-E-C-T-S, if you're new here. Ah. Uh, that was from the, uh. Can you imagine not having listened to season one and then, first of all, listening to your entire recap. (laughs) Listen to the entire recap. It's quite simple, really. Um, and were we a mature group? 
who who never looked askance at the name Africa's Dark Sex? Absolutely. <laughs> we were perfect gentlemen made. and ladies. <laughs> perfect exactly. angels. Never did a twinkle reach our eye when we heard this name. <laughs> I also think it's worth, when you guys go into post on this, uh, for the recap, put a jaunty, jaunty song under it. Of, uh, yeah, yeah. Some turkey <laughs> in the straw or something. Like the growing pains theme or something. Show me yeah, that yeah. smile. Show me that smile. Guns were spilled everywhere. And <laughs> it was at this point that the vampire people barfed their fat into the pyramid cavern. <laughs> yeah, I guess it seems matter of fact for us. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, start over at the vomiting fat into a pyramid. Um, <laughs> All right, so when you were you were reading uh, Africa's Dark Sex, and you know now the, there are mechanical sort of penalties and bonuses to reading tomes. When you read that, you lost nine sanity. You gained 2% in your Cthulhu Mythos skill, which then lowered your max sanity by two. So it takes away as it gives. All I want to know is... Do you think you keep reading this? Because mechanically how it works with tomes is there's an initial reading. Sometimes it's automatic. Sometimes I have, I'm have i going to have you roll a, uh, a check to see if you can sort of decipher it, depending on the language, how old the book is. With this one, it was like, I think this one was written in like 1918. Excuse me, it was written in 1920 uh, yeah. in English. Uh, so it was pretty easy to, to read, but it left you rocked. Further study of it will increase your Cthulhu mythos eventually, depending on how long it takes for a complete study, but at the expense of your sanity. It's up to you. If you feel like halfway through, you're like, I've had enough. That's fine. I think by nature, with Feyre's background and like her, I think she would be pouring over this obsessively. Yeah, I think so too. Any opportunity. I agree wholeheartedly. Um, well, the good news is it's going to take you longer to get to the end of it. Weeks. You don't know. It's a, it's a pretty big tome for a full study. However, as you've spent some time pouring over this specific tome, you come to kind of understand a little bit more about it. Um, if you remember, I said it's an odd mix of travelogue and expose of the ritual practices of a variety of African cults. Um the notes were turned into a book. There was no publisher listed. Um, and and uh, evidently Blackwell is uh, impossible to track down. May even be a pseudonym. Maybe wasn't even a real person. Uh, however, you found this in the basement of Juju House. You knew this was a book that Jackson Elias was looking for. And as you're reading it, you realize there is a spell in this book. And it is a little bit tricky to decipher, but it seems like it's a spell that brings the dead back to life. But there's a transformation that happens as well, a a dark transformation. As you dig further, you realize that is what Madari must have done to those zombies that came out of that alcove. And that is what was done to poor Millie Adams. They're known as Simba, C-I-I-M-B-A. It is a a horrible creation. I can't imagine this is a spell you'd even want to learn. But as you keep reading it, you realize there is great power here if you choose to unlock it. (laughs) Zombie queen, baby. Oh, my God. (laughs) Simba. Yes, yes, yes. 
has to be a key to something important later. If one of you guys die, you can come back as a Simba. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I think so. <laughs> no consequences. <laughs> now, Margot, you were reading uh, Ever the Curious Little Bee. You were reading uh, a book called Amongst the Stones. Another one of these tomes. In English, by someone named Justin Jeffrey. Written in 1918, so only a couple years ago. Handwritten. Looks like a collection of poems. And it was, if you remember, like the the texture of the book, it wasn't leather. It almost felt like skin. It's horrible. Oh, like God. a leathery skin. Um, so you've you've completed an initial reading of that. Um, and here's what's gonna happen. You are uh, roll a D6. Okay. <laughs> I just put my dice away. Here we go. One. Okay, good. You take one sanity loss. Okay. Okay. That's good. But then you gain one point in your Cthulhu Mythos skill. Ooh. And your max sanity goes down by one. So little miss maximum sanity. Just wow. got a little less down to 97. <laughs> I went from a 99 to a 98. <laughs> However, will you get by? <laughs> it's hard out there. <laughs> yeah. Now, let me ask you this. This book, unlike uh, Africa's Dark Sex, which is going to take Feyre's weeks, nice little uh, ship reading for your travel across <laughs> the pond. Um, this one you could finish in like a week. Do you want to try and fully digest it? Or yeah. after getting about halfway through, I'd be like, I've had enough. Well, I imagine she's bored while she's... Uh in that hospital trying to heal. It's great hospital reading. Oh, yeah. uh, maybe not so much for beaches. <laughs> the nurses are like, where'd you get this book? It feels like skin. <laughs> it feels <laughs> familiar. Yeah. So you continue reading and they're poems. You're an artist, I imagine. Even if you don't like poetry, you get it. And there's one poem that you keep coming back to as you're recovering. It's called The Trappings of a Queen. And in it, it speaks of the three most prized possessions of Queen Nitocris. This was like a, an Egyptian ruler back in the day. It speaks about her three most prized possessions that she will one day return with to rule again. Her crown, a jet black circlet topped with a cut gem. Her girdle, a narrow band of intricately linked gold chain clasped by a large cabochon-cut ruby, a ruby that's cut like a six-pointed star, and her necklace, a long silver chain decorated with small emerald beads and a large square emerald pendant carved with the image of a black sphinx. Give me another D6 roll. Okay, 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 okay. Ooh, six. You lose three points of sanity. Okay. Your Cthulhu Mythos goes up by two, and your max sanity goes by, down by two. Ooh. And you have completed reading of this. Um, what is your Mythos at right now? Mine's at three now. I just gained all yeah. three of that. Good for you. 
Uh, all right, so your mythos is at three. Now, the, the way that tomes work, you can keep reading them, and it like doubles the time that it takes, and keep unlocking Cthulhu mythos at the expense of your sanity. Um, there are no spells in this book, but uh, if you wanted to get rocked a little bit, you definitely feel rocked. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, pretend I didn't know this. The benefit of having mythos points is so you can pull off spells, or what? Like I forgot, like the. Um, it allows you to sort of, when you're confronted by, um, whatchamacallit, by meet those things, Mm -hmm. it gives you a chance of trying to understand what you're up against. Um, but I don't think it is relevant to casting spells. I can't remember. There's a whole, there's another mechanic in the game called magic points Uh and you can Mm -hmm. gain magic points in certain ways. Some of you, like, I think it's based on your intelligence or whatnot. You can find items and some that you may already have that give you extra magic points. Um, but uh, I'm not sure. Uh, I'd have to give further look into what the mythos skill really gives. Because, yeah, otherwise, what's the point of giving myself a greater mythos skill? Um, and what's each- the title of this book? Because I just have it down as Margot's Skin Book. Margot's Skin Book? <laughs> Amongst the Stones. Amongst the Stones. Uh, and then uh, Feyruz was reading one as well. Uh, another one. You just can't put these books down. These, this is why when you went to your father and you thought you were giving mm-hmm. him the shit and he looked at you and just <laughs> frizzy, crazy air. You're reading these Bags horrible, <laughs> horrible things. Steady buddies pulling all-nighters. <laughs> You're looking through these manuscripts. They're like bound together. Uh, they're all over the place. And if they were to be titled, it seems like there's a phrase that comes up over and over uh, and like notes in the margins. Like maybe it's called the uh, Narcotic Manuscripts, perhaps. Okay. And Narcotic. As you're reading them, they're, they're stories that at first seem like Greek myths. They're like uh, retellings of, of Greek myths. And I say retellings because as you delve deeper, they don't always align with the the myths that you know. And I imagine as a student of the occult and cryptology and whatnot, you've spent some time with your uh, Joseph Campbell. And this doesn't quite, uh, these stories don't quite align. Like maybe, maybe they're just straight up retellings. Mm. But then there are passages that start to talk about Earth in a pre-human time. Ooh. It talks about these little creatures known as uh, crinoids, um, which are these marine-like beings that look like fluffy spiders. And they're still around today. These are real creatures. But it talks about them in a way that, like, it's like they knew shit. Like, this was their land, these little crinoids. And then it starts to talk about other beings that inhabited Earth long before that. And they are mind-bending in their description. It sounds, there's alien, and then there's like beyond alien. And this sounds like beyond alien. And as you continue reading, you get the sense that further reading may allow you to contact these other beings. These ancient, (laughs) pre-human alien entities. Unfortunately, I'm going to need you to roll a D8. Oh, <laughs> My life's work. Oh, wow. Yeah, it's a chunky one. Six? You take, you take six sanity damage. Okay. You Permanent? Are, uh, yeah. Well, it's, that's just damage. That's just like six damage, right? 
Um, okay. And we'll we'll deal with that in a second because we're going to have to – that's six in one pop. Yeah. Uh, but then your Cthulhu Mythos will go up by three and your max sanity will go down by three. Uh, the Narcotic Manuscripts. I mean, you think this would take a year to read all the way through. Over time, you can tell me if you keep doing so, the idea that you could communicate with these beings may come in handy. Hell yes. Yeah, that that is mean, an absolute yes. Uh, three Add hmm. three to the mythos, you said? Uh, yeah, three to your mythos, and then max sand goes down by three, max and you sand lose six down. sanity, which means I'm going to need an intelligence check. Okay, and this is okay. one that you probably want to fail. Okay. <laughs> uh, I'm sorry, what was it? you said it was a... Intelligence. intelligence. Their intelligence is like through the roof, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Yeah, she understands. It's at an 80, so let's... Uh, how do I make a roll on this thing? Are you doing a little uh, roll zony online? Oh, I heard a whoop! Yeah. Oh, here we go. Uh, it's, a, it's a D100. Mm-hmm. Uh, that looks like a six. That's weird. I don't think I... Is that? Oh, it is a D100. Yeah, I rolled a six. Rolled <laughs> a six. Uh, oh, normally... So- that's right in line. Smashing <laughs> success. You understood the living shit out of them. Yes. <laughs> Nora, you... however, is confused. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, you 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 lose five, uh, six sanity in one pop. That forces you to uh, roll intelligence check to see if you fully understand the brunt of what you're reading. It's a check that you want to fail because then you move on with your day. Unfortunately, you succeed because you're fucking smart. And you're like... <laughs> There are other beings that I can contact, and you just start like tearing the book, like, tearing pages out. I start a board up. like a mm-hmm, like with thread, mm-hmm, thread, mm-hmm. just uh-huh. crazy board. Yes, crazy a crazy board. board. <laughs> yeah, I imagine you come to, and you're just you're lying in in ripped pages, and you slowly start to put them back together in your little room. So just when you thought you guys were okay. You're not. Keep in mm-hmm. mind, there are two other books, two other tomes you found that have not been looked at. One was in French, Selection du Livre d'Yvon. And then there is uh, another one called um, Hop on Pop. What is it called? Uh, <laughs> fucking uh, something else. There was one other one. The other one was in English, so something to keep in mind. Uh, oh, the other one's called Life is a God. That might be fun. Cool. Fun boat reading. Uh, that one's in English, so let me know if, uh, if, if Rob, you feel a little left out, you want to lose some sanity and gain some mythos. You think Carter's <laughs> fucking reading books? <laughs> uh, uh, if, if nobody wants to, I'll definitely take up some more reading. But I, I don't want to take that away from somebody if they want it. It's it's also it's a, a shareable resource. If you're like, I want to learn about that life as a god too, you can yeah. definitely like. Can I stop bogarting life as a god? We can book club these bad boys. <laughs> I looked up. Uh, I looked up crinoid while you guys were doing that. Oh, They're yeah. adorable. Aren't oh they cute? God. Guess not, they really, not, yeah. <laughs> They inherited the earth. The idea Aww. that they know things and you see them just kind of listlessly floating around, contemplating. All right, last piece of real uh, sort of crunchy business before we get into it. Um, 
Skills. Anytime you used a skill successfully, you should have checked the box next to it. As long as a bonus die wasn't used. Something to keep in mind. If you use a bonus die for a check, you know, check the skill. I think we've been pretty on top of this because Michael, our man behind the scenes, always uh, sends out uh, emails with what you did. So let's just take a moment here while we chat. For each of those skills, roll a D100 for each skill. If you roll over the skill, so if you fail, or roll a 95 and above. Like if you have a skill that's a 96 and you roll a 95, whatever, uh, which would have been a fail. 95 or above or over the roll. Then you take a D10, roll that, and add it to the skill. Um, that makes so, sense. Sorry. Rolling, you're rolling over. And if you succeed succeed in rolling over, you, you take gain, a D10 additional. You add a D10. Yeah. Yeah. Right. yeah it's basically cool. like... Um, you know, the the better you get, the, the the more successful you are at doing things, you might learn how to get even better at it. Love it. Um, couple I have little, to roll over it. You have to roll over. If it's less than or equal, you didn't learn anything from the experience and the skill doesn't change. Uh, after you do each skill, remove the check mark. And keep in mind, obviously, Mithulu, uh, Mithulu, Cthulhu Mythos and credit rating doesn't improve this way. That's why there's no checkbox for them. Uh, yeah. So that's uh, a This is like this is your level up. Cool. Do, 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 do. La, 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 la. Let me know if anybody goes above ninety percent because that can happen here. If you're like oh, sitting great. in the sitting what? in the '80s and you roll a ten and you get a ninety, what happens is you then gain immediately two d six sanity points. Oh, representing the oh, discipline and self esteem that comes from mastering a skill. Let's see. And then if you roll a 96 or above automatic automatic like success for okay. the term for in, in terms of uh developing the skill. There's a good one. Persuade, I got a good one. I'm beginning like 1 and 2 plus persuade, I got plus 7. Let's go. Oh, hell yeah. Oh yeah, I get a little I more force shit. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think you can get that. I rolled I, could, uh, I rolled double zeros and single digits on almost everything. I was just getting low, low, low. <laughs> oh, I got a 99. What oh, this does, it sort of encourages you to try more skills, like skills yeah. that you're yeah, not good at. Like, man, ones, yeah. why are my locksmith skills this good when I <laughs> don't know enough history for a college student? Right. Okay. Oh, I think I yes. cleared it all. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I just got better at locksmithing and one point better in stealth. That's it. I think uh, very apropos to our experience thus far, Vaughn's library use and occult have gone up. <laughs> nice. Yeah, I got the same the library books. and occult. I'm a creep. I have like uh, this uh, spot hidden went up and stealth went up. Oh, um, nice. Last one's photography. That's going up. So you're a real creeple deep. Creeple deeple. I rolled the best and that I'll ever picks. roll this entire campaign. And I've wasted it. <laughs> That's the worst. Like the one time you need to fail a yeah. roll. Yeah. Uh, or the two times because intelligence checks. All right, great. So you give some of you got a little boost here and there. Nobody went above 90, right? No. Okay. That'll be fun when that happens. I love that little mechanic. Call of Cthulhu. This is why I love this game. It has all these little extra chunk if you want it. Um, all right. Now, uh, another thing that we don't really have to deal with, but something to keep in mind that we're going to be tracking behind the scenes. The more you come to face these horrible mythos creatures, you eventually become desensitized to them. 
And so uh, we'll eventually start checking. Like if you face another one of those giant dragon things or another Simba, you know, you may not uh, take the automatic sanity damage uh, because you've already taken as much sanity as you damage as you can from seeing these things. Then you can get into the weeds with these mechanics where it's like, well, if it's been a long time since I've seen one of them, it kind of erodes and you can get scared again. It's kind of kind of fun. Uh, let's look at your backstory elements real quick. Um, everybody has backstory elements. I mentioned this at the top of the stream. We'll start with the, you know, we haven't heard from Rob too much. Let's start with Carter oh. Tillinghast. Uh, Carter, you're, uh, I'm, I'm looking at your backstory here. Uh-huh. Tell us about your uh, significant people, treasured possessions, and meaningful locations. I'm also rereading some of this. <laughs> uh, <clears throat> meaning, uh, significant uh, people, person, was uh, Myrtle, the elderly woman who uh, Carter had uh, uh, convinced to marry him with the grand plan of inheriting all of her uh, wealth when she died. Uh, except she didn't die. She just kept on trucking. <laughs> uh, just real, just <laughs> refusing to give it up. And in the process, that's when he got kicked in the face by a horse, uh, thus ruining his formerly handsome visage. Uh, that was just a, he was a real knockout until that, uh, which is why he wears this porcelain mask thing. Um, and uh, what we sort of revealed at the end of the season was that actually before Carter had come to New York uh, to meet with Jackson after getting the telegram, that uh, Myrtle had passed away uh, right when he got the telegram. And he decided in that moment, after the experiences that he had had in Peru and what he was hoping to become as a sort of a better person, uh, he just packed up and left and did not try to cash in, uh, didn't do any of that stuff, just left. And the problem with that is that he now owes uh, a lot of money to the mob, uh, which he was hoping to pay off with this inheritance, but because he's got this gross conscience that's growing inside of him, <laughs> like a little crinoid uh, in his brain, <laughs> uh, uh, he uh, he skedaddled. So Myrtle, the significant person, is uh, now insignificant because she's uh, dead. But I'm, de- I'm uh, deleting her from your. Uh... <laughs> Your leader. Just You're right gonna deceased. need a new key connection now. Yeah. Um. I I feel like that'll get revealed as we go. All right, and you've got a uh, your treasured possession is a locket with two photographs of you pre-accident. Uh, once again, you were kicked in the face by a what was it? It was a horse. A horse, and it left with half a face. Just a big caved-in hole. Yeah, that he's covering with this with this big mask. mask. Yeah. And uh, your meaning location, your meaningful location, is a gentleman's club to escape <laughs> yeah, that your never elderly came wife. Up. I don't know what the fuck I was thinking with that thing. Was, <laughs> That's good. Hey, you know what? It's still out there, man. It wasn't uh, a gentleman's club in the modern sense, where you know he's getting the the lunchtime meatloaf and watching uh, strippers. It's uh, it was more, I think, of a this is where men gather to talk about. Uh, <laughs> Penises, or I don't know what happens every Friday night. Yeah, yeah is it still there? Indeed, it is. Gentlemen's <laughs> conversation. Puff, puff, yes, puff, puff. yes, old boy. <laughs> still very much in place. <laughs> See you next Friday. Yes, yes. Well, it covered everything I planned on speaking about. Charm. All right, just uh, guys being guys, you know. <laughs> 
Keep in mind, the development phase, and really any time in the game when something significant happens, is a great time for you to update, change, or alter any of these backstory things. Like for you, your key connection will need some updating at some point. Um, Feyruz, let's look at your back, John, here. You've got uh, significant people. Talk about him. Uh, well, we have in season one met Feyruz's father, uh, Dr. Nadine Gibran, who uh, we got to see at the canoodling at the party <laughs> that we Very crashed. popular NPC, I think. Yeah. <laughs> uh, certainly like one of my favorite NPCs. I think you play, Troy. <laughs> um. I'm sure since last we uh, we saw the both of them, she was uh, kind of losing her marbles, thinking she was uh, she was uh, giving him the business and, and putting her foot down and, and letting him know who's who. And and I, and I know you sent me with your order to go uh, into this investigation and blah, blah, blah. But you need me. And meanwhile, she's like super disheveled. Um but I'm, I'm sure she's had a few conversations with him. Um, they have a very unhealthy relationship. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I'm sure that they've had a few conversations and she's still trying to wrap her mind around this and trying to wrap her mind around why this order that they both belong to uh, has sent her out to, to do all of this work. And she's been poring over her most prized possession which would be her mother's diary. Um, her mother died when she was much younger under really mysterious circumstances. Her father does not like to talk about it. She, this is, this is the biggest mystery she has to solve in her lifetime. Yeah. What, what is going on there with your dad's connection to this society, your mom, very, very interesting. A lot of mysteries here. Uh, Margo, what is going on with this German? <laughs> well, <laughs> so with the theme of significant people, um, her significant person that I have written down is Gunter, who was one of her teachers uh, while she was in school. Um, it was one of those situations where... Um, the teacher and the student kind of got together. Was it appropriate? No. Hey Did it happen? Yeah. Teacher, um, yeah. He, <laughs> he like taught her the basics a lot of what she knows. He introduced her to uh, DeBrook, like that like group of people mm-hmm. um, who were the Blue Riders. Um, or not the Blue Riders. I'm getting them all confused. Anyways. Um, he kind of influenced her a lot and it maybe got to the point where like she maybe had to feel like her own artist, her own woman. Like she's very influenced by him and he's helping her a lot with maybe connections and all of that. And they did have a falling out. Um, and I'm thinking it was something a lot. And like, she said something really awful to him, probably like, you know, I need to, I, I, I can't be what you want me to be. Or like, I need to be my own person. I can't just be like your little pet or something like that. Just hurt him. And they, and that was before Peru. And I think that was maybe her mindset of like trying to find inspiration in Peru. She's like, I need to go off the walls, a different direction away from what Gunter has been like teaching me. I need to prove that I can like do different things um, and become my own artist. Um, so they fell out. She went on this wonderful journey 
Um, and I'm thinking also in the hospital, um, maybe this was in the news a little bit. Margot's name came up. He heard about it. And Gunter was visiting her in the hospital. And maybe they're reconnecting. Oh, Gunter. All right. Little um, side manner. I'll keep that in mind. Um, and then also one of her treasured, her treasured possession that I wrote down a long time ago was it was a sketch that Gunter drew of her that like looks really peaceful and calm, just like whimsical maybe. And she's always really enjoyed it. And I think it's really funny that there's this like portrait of her that's like uh, deranged a bit that keeps popping up that she can't destroy. Uh, yeah. So that's interesting. Um, yeah. Oh, yeah I, I didn't even look back at that. That is cool. Um, awesome. And then finally, uh, our veteran here, Mr. Vaughn mm-hmm. Villiers. Vaughn, talk to me about the significant possessions, people, and locations of your life. Um, <clears throat> so as it was revealed, the significant person in Vaughn's life was a friend named Oberon Doyle, who he went to school with and enlisted with, and this was a young man who was killed in the Great War. Their relationship, as we learn more about it, was exceeded friendship and was a was a, a much a much closer attachment to which Vaughn may not be able to even give a name. And um, he carry his possession as he carries around a, a letter written by Oberon everywhere, uh, now probably woefully folded and faded, but is always on his person. Um, and Vaughn's l- cracks into madness having to do with the border between life and death becoming thin we're connected to the mad hope that he may be reunited with Oberon in some way uh, his meaningful location is his family home back in back in uh, Britain named Eagles Grange which is like a, a Howard's End-esque country house <laughs> um, where he has a little study and lives a um, a bachelor's lifestyle much to the dismay of his family and um, his uh, I'm looking here on the character sheet and his ideology is the religions of the world are so much theater and foolishness that he's an Anglican who lost his faith in the war, lost his faith in the trenches. That's very much changed. And I think that uh, Vaughn's exposure to the mythos has, I mean, the first thing that's come to mind is that evil is real, a palpable and active force in the world. And so he has found faith again and doubled down on his, his taking the catechism. He's becoming uh, more and more Catholic by the day. And with the idea that these forces that he's encountered are demonic and that they are, that in some way in his fight with them, he is engaging in a sort of spiritual warfare. (laughs) And, And so that's what's knocking around in his head. I love it. Uh, well, you guys have told me, I emailed you after, uh, after our last session, probably like the next day or within a week to ask you like, all right, well, you've got some options. Where do you guys want to go? And, uh, and you told me, uh, and so I, 
spent some time preparing that. We changed uh, our mind. We didn't tell you. <laughs> Actually. I need, I need another year to prep. Um, but before we get there, I want to give you one last chance to regain some sanity. And the way that you sort of do that uh, in this downtime is either, uh, well, you can use both uh, therapy or something therapeutic uh, or spending significant time with a backstory connection. That could be a person. That could be a thing. That could be a location. The penis club. For example, uh, gentlemen's and, club. Sure, it's I'm a sorry. club for gentlemen. I apologize. There's an accent over the P, so people don't know. <laughs> an anus club. Anus. What is an anus club? Uh, <laughs> you that the latter one spending time with a connection would actually require a role, and you could lose. You could eat shit and lose a little sanity, but you could gain as well. Um, and those are both uh, best done through role play. So when we come back after the break, let's get into it. We'll be right back. Hey, what's going on? It's your old buddy, Troy. I hope you're enjoying the season two premiere of Time for Chaos, the long-awaited season two premiere of our massive Nerlathotep playthrough. I'm so excited to have it back, and I'm also excited for our sponsor for the entire season, Chaosium. In fact, if you go to chaosium.com right now and use code TFC, you're going to get 10% off your order, and that is a one-time use code. So the best way to do it is just put like $2,000 worth of Chaosium books in your cart and you get 200 bucks off it's a one-time use you don't want to buy like a tiny little pamphlet that costs six bucks and get 60 cents off head over to chaosium.com use code tfc for a one-time use 10 percent off your order it lets chaosium know that they made a good choice sponsoring the only massive neolithotep stream in the world i don't know if that's right i can't even say it enjoy the show Now that we got all the housekeeping out of the way, it's time to get down to business. This is this is the real work, but this is the fun part. This is where we get to see where these characters are at, having experienced everything they experienced, uh, both in Peru and New York, but certainly New York is much more... It's right now. It just happened. We're like days, maybe a week after uh, the nightmare at Juju House. Um, so I want to check in with everybody about what they're doing as some sort of therapy. Could be therapy. Could be something else. Um, and then we'll, we'll move on to talk about how you're going to connect with a backstory connection because that has a little more mechanical uh, stuff to it. But uh, Vaughn, mm-hmm. what do you think your outlet for therapy is? Obviously, after Peru, we saw you... Uh, I think you were back in England and we saw you with probably your your regular therapist and uh, you were talking to him and yes. seeing Oberon Doyle standing outside of the window rapping on the glass and waving at you but now you're in still in New York here what, uh, what are you thinking? When last we we saw Vaughn I think he was um, well before he went to a went to a speakeasy for some dancing he, he was at confession and I think uh, I think he's seeking counsel from uh, the church and uh, maybe trying to seek out a, a a helpful and comforting priest to guide him through this difficult time. Okay. All right. So we uh, 
see a, a, like an empty church and uh, it's dark empty pews and a confessional and may we see you walk up to it mm-hmm. and enter yes he crosses himself sits down come Father, it's been, um... I suppose it's only been a day since my last confession. Ah. Is it a sin to see things? Father, if you see things that fall outside, um... the conventional... A logic that most people experience. I suppose what I'm asking is, how do you, uh, how does one sift and tell a hallucination from a revelation? That is a, a, a deep question, my son. Uh, normally, uh, I would say uh, to see things. Uh, isn't a sin, unless, of course, these uh, hallucinations um, were caused by you doing something you're not supposed to be doing. Now, that would uh, sort of tread into a possible sin area. Well, I, of course, ma'am. as a correlator to this, would uh, confess that I, I do have a weakness for strong drink, uh, the, the, there is no uh, tremens of any kind bringing on what I've seen. No, I've seen things, Father. Um, I passed a portrait of St. Anthony on the way in, bedeviled by an army of fiends. I, I fear as though I, I've been the subject of the same sort of assault. I've seen fiends darker than those that dwell in the blackest pit. I've seen them, heard them, felt them. Uh, they, they are abroad and active in this world. I must tell you that I feel as if I'm going mad, and yet there is a part of me that knows that what I see is true. Am I being tempted to, to evil? Or is God showing me these things so that I can fight against them? Well, in in St. Anthony's case, he was um, certainly doing God's work by pushing the fiends back down from whence they came. But uh, hearing what you're saying and uh, your mention of one of your vices being drink, one has to be careful that their sins do not... uh, bring about the attention of the devil, yes? Because sometimes that attention is what can be tormenting you. So, in a way, you bring it on yourself by the choices that you make in life. I've, um... I've never made any claim to be of an ascetic sort. I've I've never been an anchorite... Father, I... I've done 
I've done many things, but, um... I suppose I can endeavor to stand between my will and my flesh more than I have made a habit of. And still the visions come. If, 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 if one sees the fiend, how does one rebuke him? Well, when you are faced with demons, there are essentially two roads you can walk down. You can embrace them, give in to their power, have your life succumb to their base needs and join them in their suffering. Or you can rise up like St. Anthony, prepare your mind, your body, and your soul for spiritual warfare. Yes. Whatever is his will, I shall endeavor to do. I, I will not say that it was not my hope, but I... I cannot help but feeling as though I've been chosen. Father. It sounds as if you have, my son. I, I am a sinner. God knows I am a sinner, but... Why, why, why has he chosen me, as a base a sinner as I am, to... To choose me to take up the sword of the Spirit in this war? Well, the question is, has God chosen you and anointed you as his holy warrior or has Satan chosen you for his mark you must be very careful very aware I, I shall girdle my my spirit then with with the armor of my faith and Attempt, attempt, for the flesh shall always fail to, uh, to tread more lightly and, uh, attempt to live more righteously, Father. Uh, pray for me when, when you have a chance to. I, I have been chosen for a great mission, and I have been shown things that I may do battle against them. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among sinners. Blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Hail Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners now and the hour of our death. And uh, as uh, Vaughn prays the rosary, I suppose he gets uh, some... Uh, he, he has been coaxed into a... He's been told that what he's seen is quite real. And that he is now engaged in a virtuous mission. He has been chosen for a higher purpose. <laughs> <laughs> and from there we'll, we'll fade out of uh, Vaughn saying various Hail Marys over and over <laughs> again. Um, can, we just, can we just... I just need a second. Before we <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
Triggered by the Catholic shit. <laughs> yeah, sorry, sorry, sorry to everyone. Prayer. Also, Troy, just nailing it with the, the Catholic viewpoint. I'm like, well, you brought this on yourself. <laughs> well, if I've seen them and allowed them ingress, it is only because um, how, how uh, sinful I have been. It's, yes, this yes, is yes. my fault. Um, <laughs> as he's talking, I'm thinking like uh, a 2023 priest would probably be like, hey, man. Don't worry about it. But I'm thinking 1920s priest. <laughs> I mean, you'd well, like to think so, you Troy. You called this down. Yeah, yeah. True. Oh, goodness. Okay, continue. Well, Sorry. I'm fine. Let's get, let's keep the, uh, you know, oh, this is great. Uh, he's saying, Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed are thou among women, and blessed is, and we, that continues, and we hear another voice saying that, and blessed is the fruit of her womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners now. And at the hour of our death. Amen. And we come back to see a priest saying a Hail Mary at a funeral. And there is a coffin, very nice coffin, and um, a gathering of of a good amount of people. So this person must have been old that passed. We cross along the faces until we see the half face of Carter Tillinghast. <laughs> we got to resolve this, buddy. I, I imagine you went back for the funeral. Yeah. Uh, is, is this out? Are we outside? Are we in the, are we in yeah. the cemetery? I think yeah, we're yeah. at the cemetery. Yeah. So I think as you're kind of panning across everybody and they all look very rich and old, uh, <laughs> you get past the last person and then you see like far in the background is like a tree. Like a dead tree, and, and you just see this like <laughs> like face kind of come around <laughs> from behind, sunglasses, uh, a fake beard, kind of uh, you know it's believable enough. Kind of on there like hat bundled up. There's a cigarette dangling out as Carter's just sort of like peeping at the thing, and he yeah he's come back. He felt this uh, pull to come in and see uh, Myrtle. And, uh, and yeah, he's just, I think he needs this, um, emotionally, just to, you know, some closure here. So, uh, he's just watching, basically, from, from afar. He's watching the priest is talking. Maybe a light rain starts and people pull out their umbrellas. Someone hands the priest an umbrella and, uh, people are grabbing handfuls of dirt and, uh, throwing them on the coffin one by one these old socialites probably knowing that their turn is coming soon is throwing dirt can't imagine you're compelled to go over there and show your face what, well I think yeah you? I mean he he booked like he no one saw him you know I think the the, the butler probably found her body like he's gone <laughs> We'll say at a certain point the ceremony ends and people start coming towards you in your direction to get to the cars. Are you like oh. trying to get out of there, <laughs> or are you yeah. just? Yeah, I think he like turns around, kind of like trips over a headstone. God fuck! As you turn around, you see a car that you didn't see moments ago, um, parked with all the other cars, and uh, a figure gets out. Big guy, shock of red hair, um, and 
he just starts scanning the crowd. Uh, Looking. Uh huh. <laughs> Feels like this guy's familiar to you, but also uh, can't re- pl- quite place him. But you have this, like, strong fight or flight moment kind of rise up within you. Yeah. He, uh, I think the car, the type of car that it is, is triggering to, uh, Carter. I think it's, uh, the kind of car that, like, uh, organized crime would use. (laughs) A Miata. Yeah, it's a... (laughs) (laughs) Sporty. (laughs) Vin Diesel gets out (laughs) with a Corona. (laughs) <laughs> uh, yeah, I think uh, he I don't think he necessarily recognized this guy's face But I think he gets the gist of that this guy's probably some, some muscle yeah, He gets out, he's scanning around And then he just starts walking towards the crowd that's coming And yeah. you're there as well I'm gonna try to get the fuck out Blend in Yeah I'll put a stealth roll on your flashback. <laughs> let's do it. Let's do it. Yeah. Uh, let's, yeah, we're back, baby. We're back, baby! Throw them bones. A one. Oh, oh my god! We're back, baby! <laughs> a one under 61. Just see a tree, like, slide away. <laughs> a one! A critical success. That's amazing. So, uh, we just see the crowd part, and this Irishman is just looking like maybe he saw you, maybe he didn't, but you're gone. You're in the wind. It doesn't make sense. There was no way with him coming towards the crowd that you'd be able to get away, but he stands It's there. like some Jason Bourne thing where, like, people are walking by, and then suddenly they're... Like somebody crosses frame and now I'm not even there anymore. Yeah, he looks around like you're on the other side now and you're looking at him and you just duck away. (laughs) I'm peeping you now. And from there we'll cut to Feyruz. Feyruz, what does does therapy look like for you? Therapy to Feyruz is pouring over her books alone or her mother's journal in a speakeasy and occasionally looking up at the people inside and just so curious as to what their life must be like after all that she's seen and been through that there's people in here that have been born here and will probably die here and will never ever have left their hometowns or have families and children and how strange and foreign that seems to Feyruz that that is what most of the world is and, and they're happy are they happy? is she happy? because everything everything to her despite all the books that she reads and everything that she pours over, the more she wants order in this world, it just becomes so much more chaotic. And she just can't make sense of it, and all she wants is to make sense of anything right now. And she 
this is the closest that she'll ever be to normal is just looking, people watching, strangers. And not even really striking up any conversations because what would they ever talk about? How could she connect with anybody? And she feels this deep-seated loneliness. Your mother's journal is one of your prized possessions, so we're kind of like double-dipping here like this. Mm -hmm. You're reading this, and this is something you carry with you. And do you think you've read it cover to cover, or are you still discovering new things in it? I think at first it began randomly looking at a page at a time, a, a random page here, a random page there, uh, initially just to find some comfort. And then as she is realizing that her father never discussed her death, her father doesn't like to talk about her mother. Her, She passed away when she was so young that she can't remember even if they had a good relationship or not. And so now as she's older and kind of has read enough random pages. She's kind of going through it chronologically and just trying to piece the life of her mother together. So I, I think she maybe would have read most of it by now as she maybe has tried to stop and ask some questions and kind of look into things. I don't know if she particularly would have read the whole thing yet. And did your parents were did they live in were, were they where were they born and like where did they meet and before, when where were you born were you always in Massachusetts um we well, I were originally born in Cairo uh my whole family and um in, shortly after my mother passed away we had immigrated and uh grew up just her and her father um, in Massachusetts. She just wants to connect to something. She hasn't connected to where her, to her roots. She hasn't, everything's a mystery, everything. And it's so frustrating because she can't get any answers despite how hard she digs and digs. So as you're looking through this journal and taking everybody in, it must be nice to look at living people and not monsters. Um, but I imagine from time to time you look up and as these tomes are eroding your brain while also unlocking knowledge, you just see flashes of Juju House. You see uh, those two people, a guy talking to a girl leaning against the bar. Uh, you see like a cop running out, holding his chest. You know, you see a dead cultist or people running at you. Um, but you're really engrossed in the journal and in taking in the scene. And you come to a passage in the journal and it's so striking to you because you feel like you've read this portion before, but nothing surprises you now when things just appear. And it's a passage that your mom is talking about a man that she met. And at first it seems pretty benign, but then she starts writing about him a little more often. And then it becomes clear that it that she may have had an affair with this man um, and it's not quite not quite clear what happened with it um, seems like it was troubled it seems like it was a uh, it troubled her conscience even though she wasn't happy 
um, and it was torrid, and uh, and then he had to go back home. It appears he wasn't from Cairo. Even though I can't say that I knew her at all because of I was so young, but it goes to show how how much of anybody can we know even when they're right in front of us. Uh, is there like a name or is there a location? It's like uh, you keep looking and you see... Um... see like a uh, captain <laughs> captain or uh, looks like he was some military uh, rank um, but at first it seems like she wasn't even sure but then it becomes pretty clear that he was in uh, he was like a British soldier and had to go back it's unclear what he was doing in Cairo um, but then you do see a name Finally, as you're digging through, Emil, Emil L. Looking for a last name. You don't even see another mention of Emil. Checking our previous season one notes of NPCs. Are there any Emils? <laughs> I know. <laughs> Interesting. So she will. Um, kind of like dog ear that little section Captain Emile L perhaps <clears throat> uh, get another drink maybe are you having a couple cocktails a couple pisco sours for old times uh, yeah <laughs> pisco sours I, I've uh, Feyruz has definitely in her loneliness has turned to any comfort of a uh, human connection and that is her connection to her her friends from their adventures mm-hmm. the guy standing at the bar he's kind of watching you all night maybe you'll look up you'll look away but eventually he uh, comes over and it's like uh, uh, pardon me miss uh, are, are you alone oh clearly You've been here, and I've been here, and you've been watching me, so yes. <laughs> I didn't know if you were waiting for someone or uh, anything. Um, no, I just I, had a lot on my mind, that's all. Sure, I see you're reading uh, books. Not a lot of people reading uh, books here in this uh, in this bar, and uh, I noticed you're Women drink. read, you know. <laughs> I know, it's, it's the 20s. <laughs> Uh, but uh, I noticed your drink was a little low. Perhaps I could uh, could I buy you another another drink? And Feyruz uh, <laughs> realizes that she's come. She was ready to her her guard is always up, and she realizes how her guard has has been up like this for a long time, and and that kind of disarms her a little and takes a moment to collect herself and yes um, I apologize yes thank you that, that would what's be lovely your, what's your uh, what's your pleasure 
Um, I, I've been drinking Pisco Sours, so if you wouldn't mind making Pisco another sour. one. Fancy. Uh, all right. Uh, Pisco Sour, come right up. Goes to the bar. Gets two Pisco Sours. Have you, um, you have you lived here your whole life? No, no, no. I'm uh, from out west. Just uh, starting a new life. Maybe I live here now. I haven't quite decided. It's a little busier than what I'm used to. I know that feeling. Where uh, Where are you from? Um, Got an exotic look. <laughs> and she gives him the look that I'm giving you. <laughs> the name's Emil. <laughs> the name's I got Emil. a type. Yeah. <laughs> I'm from the future. A guy cleaning glasses behind the bar is like audibly rolling his eyes. At this guy. You don't know how many times I've actually been told this. It is so cringe. I had um, to. Do, I had to do it because that's what this guy would say. Um, I'm sorry, what was, what was the question that was? Where, where are you from? You've got an oh, exotic um, look. And at that, she specifically doesn't tell him where she's at. Well, I, I, around the Miskatonic University and along those campuses. Oh, Miskatonic, that's in uh, Massachusetts, right? Yeah, are we in New York? Yeah, you're in New York. Got, okay. Well, that's up to you. You tell me, are we in Boston? Um... I'll just change it and be like, oh, Miss Katonic, up the street. <laughs> yeah, let's say Miss Katonic because maybe she, cause okay. if she's been talking to her dad and also maybe maybe she's back there and just needed yeah, to check in. Change. Oh, Miss Katonic. Uh, oh, that's what, what are you? Are you a student there? How, how uh, old are you? Yeah, yes. Uh, also, again, great like, question, this guy. Why? <laughs> knows exactly what to ask. <laughs> I can tell you don't get a lot of women around here. <laughs> Where do you live? <laughs> your, do you want my social security number next? Do you have a list of your fears? Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> I'm, I'm collecting people's there, yes. fears. <laughs> um, yes, I'm a student there, though. I, I, I do a lot of, or have been doing a lot of traveling lately. Travel? But, um, <laughs> do you find it strange that that some people could spend their whole lives living in the same place and having the same friends and going to family dinners and having I didn't mean to I didn't want to assume that you didn't uh, you just mentioned that you were not from here originally so I didn't want to assume that like you didn't have a family or you didn't but um you have the craziest eyes they look so amazing they are like I'm, I'm sorry, I got lost. You were talking about travel. I just, I've, your eyes are so, they're so beautiful. Um, I hope you don't mind me saying so. I just, uh, my God. Arched your way. Ferris will slam that entire drink back now, hoping that this will just feel better. And, Whoa. I, and I think it's part white, of inside, like, Inside, she, despite all of this coming off like so cringe to her, knocks back this drink, and she's like, "You know what? If if feeling normal for a moment is what I wanted to feel, she just kind of succumbs to the moment a little bit, knocks back that drink, hoping it just makes her feel any anything." Um, 
Forgive me, I, I just don't um, don't have much of a of a social life. This is a little bit uh, not something that I'm that I'm used to. Yeah, this isn't really my scene either. You wanna? I can't even. <laughs> <laughs> it's just so like smarmy. Like, you want to get out of here? The bus, the, the bar back behind the counter is like trying to make eye contact with you and giving you sudden like no. Like is this guy it's, really gonna? It's is gonna work. And it, against like, against all of Faris's judgment, she sees a bottle um, for the like a like a bottle of, of, of whiskey or something that's just out from the other customers that are pouring shots, and she takes the bottle. Fills her. Is it a highball? It's a pisco sour served in, or is it yeah, served in a coupe? Sure. Highball. That's, that's how they serve them here. I feel like over at Gen Con, it was a very stemmy. It was, yeah. Coops. It was a very little, little coupe glass. <laughs> um, so we'll say she just fills it to the brim because it's whiskey. So that's a lot still. <laughs> that's a lot of whiskey. And she will uh, drink that and say, I, I, "No offense, but uh, against my uh, against my better judgment, um, yes." I heard a yes, and he, uh, we just see, uh, both of you stand up, and he, and she uh, just kind of wobbles a little, <laughs> she's like, oh, okay, good, oh, finally. The oh, <laughs> ruse girl, you <laughs> can do better. She just and wants to feel. Making just bad decisions. She just wants to feel, we're all making bad decisions. Some people have reckless hookups, some people yeah. become cr- Catholics. <laughs> Trauma <laughs> affects <laughs> people differently. Yeah. You know? <laughs> She wants to feel like a normal person, and so nice. she's like, I guess this is what normal people do. <laughs> um, all right, so we just see uh, him stand up, uh, help you up, and uh, holding hands, leave the bar. Black out of there. Now, Margo, you're tricky because you're in the hospital recovering from this wound. We've seen you at the initiation. We've seen you with the mask. Vaughn, you mentioned in the epilogue to season one that you're uh, standing vigil at her bedside. You're, yeah, you're with I, her. I, I think I'm in and out, making sure that sh- that the the nurses are are tending to uh, Margot's needs, and and occasionally, if if Margot comes to every now and then, she might just see Vaughn sitting by the window, like cigarette dangling out of his mouth as he's reading, like. Revelations of Divine Love by Julian of Norwich or something. <laughs> I'm just like, hmm, hmm. They allow smoking in the hospital back in this time, so. Oh, hell yeah. It was the expected. revivifying and health-giving right, powers of tobacco? This. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> uh, all right, I'm going to throw this together, see how this, this works. I'm going to get you there, uh, Margot. Uh, so, let's say, Carter, you come back from Massachusetts, right? Isn't mm-hmm. that where uh, Myrtle was? And awesome. uh, you go to uh, check in on... Maybe maybe when you left, uh, you knew... Maybe, uh, I don't know, Margaret was like, I'm fine, I'm fine, I'm fine. Goes to this order. We, we see in the epilogue you asking her, like, what's the deal with this order, right? So if you want to check back in on her, you find out now she's in the hospital. You go to the hospital... And uh, you go to the desk, and they tell you what room. Uh, normally, I'd play this whole thing out because it'd be hilarious. Hello, sir. What room are you here uh, to visit? That's, uh, that's, the, just, that's the quality of NPC I've been missing, baby. <laughs> yeah. just get them. I mean, I could do all the show of that. Um, yes, but, yes, yes, yes. <laughs> oh, would you like to buy some chocolates and flowers? 
I'm so excited to go to England and just hear all your British NPCs. You want to get out of here? Do you have a very you exotic, exotic look, Mr. Tilly? Yes. Yeah. That half face of yours is quite exotic. You have a beautiful eye. Um, you, you get the room and you go up there and just as you're about to open the door, Vaughn comes out. Oh, God. Tilly Hess, you made me jump out of my damn skin. Double V. God damn. Too long, yes. Yeah, three, four days, something like that. Three, four days, right? <laughs> Feels you. like longer, doesn't it? Yeah. <laughs> Feels as though uh, this meeting should come with a little bit more fanfare, but it's only been a couple days, so... Yeah. Hey, not well 14 met. months. Yeah. Yes, certainly not. <laughs> though in this economy, God knows. <laughs> how's, she, uh, how's she, how's our little, uh, how's our little crap doing in there? <laughs> <laughs> Well, the little knockwurst laid up on the bed there is um, in and out, dare I say. Yes. Well, I, uh, little Wiener Schnitzel uh, currently laid up on the bed there is um, coming mm-hmm. to every now and then, babbling incoherently. But the the nurses and staff here swear blind that she's um she's better and better every day. Oh, great! Well, I and Carter looks down. He's got like a little box. It's got a kind of like starting to have like a grease stain in it. It's like a little food to go box. Like why? <laughs> Swung by a little Germany, and I got her a schnitzel. Yeah, yeah. Um, but it was before I went back to mass, so <laughs> I didn't have the time to swing by. Then, yeah. yeah, I didn't have the time to swing by, but I, I feel like, you know, it always smells a little bit. I, I feel like I, maybe I could put it by her bedside or just something, something to give her a taste of home. <laughs> yes, yeah, a, a pungent uh, brined meat of some kind should be, should be just the trick. Yeah. What are you doing? You've been to church? Hmm? Uh, been going to church? Here and there, yes. Yeah. How's that working out? I'm, well, as it ever does, I suppose, Tillinghast. I find a certain solace in it. Mm. Uh, they're trying to get me off the drink, you see, but... um. <laughs> the way I see it, um, <laughs> one, of, one of Christ's miracles was turning water into wine, so it was good enough for him. I suppose it's good yeah. enough for me. Ridiculous. Bourbon? He pulls yeah. it out of his jacket. <laughs> as long as one doesn't do things to excess, um, mm-hmm. then I, I, I think uh, you can well and truly avoid the mark of sin. All things in moderation, including moderation. Yes, yes, for sure. Uh, all right, well, I'm just going to run in here and just put this down. Pay my respects. That, do you say pay my respects when the person's still alive? Uh, a bit, bit too soon for that, I think, Tilling has. Yeah, okay, I'll just... pay my hellos. Give her a visit. I'll stretch my legs. A, right. a nurse walks up and sees you, Carter, and is like, I'm sorry, sir, you have to smoke in here. Oh, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Something didn't feel right. Thank you. Yes. Like ah. A cigar. <laughs> 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 yes, my uh, God! Why not smoking a Pall Mall Tillinghouse? Are you trying to kill the poor girl? <laughs> All right, everyone in this ward could be dying right now because of me. Yes. You must flood their T zone with the vitamins that only the junior tobacco can provide. Uh, okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna run in here real quick. All right, let's say at least for the moment, Margot, you're asleep, resting, or at least he thinks you're asleep. And you come in with your five-day-old schnitzel. Uh-huh. Just trying to be super quiet. Put it next to the bed thing. And there's like a... Maybe there's... Oh, you know what? Maybe there's a a, a vase with some flowers in it. And there's a thing that says, like, from Gunter. 
Like, Who the? Yeah. It's like, oh, what the? F- okay, that's. I don't know where that is. Put that right there. And then just accidentally just fucking knock like it goes to fall off, and then he's like, oh shit! And then like grabs it, and then the whole vase goes and it falls off the the end table. <laughs> Fuck! So shit! Oh, hi, hi, Carter. What? Well, hello, sleepyhead. Is that schnitzel? That's a, that's very good. Yes. Yes. Do you feel yes. better already? I mean, that? I would have taken a, a pretzel, maybe. Um, that's right. Right. That's thank. Th- thank you. Th- thank yeah. you. I could just. I'll just leave. I, I dropped this. Uh, the, these beautiful flowers. I'm so sorry. His face is shattered. Oh. oh that's I'll just okay. pick. I'll pick those up and like, like picking up flowers and like opens the box and starts like sticking the stems into the schnitzel. That's okay. No, no, I feel bad. I, you know, you should have these too. Maybe uh, as you put it like back on the side table, you see her skin book. <laughs> that's, oh, a little light reading. <laughs> Most people in the hospital just checking out Dean Koontz, but yeah, read the, the skin book. I mean,. I don't have anything else here, and I mean, it's very, very interesting stuff in here. Yeah, do you, are you sure you should be uh, just reading this? Do you know what I mean? No. <laughs> okay, okay, yeah, yeah, whatever's gonna... Maybe you should read it. I'm good, I'm good. I've been sticking mostly to Fritz the Cat uh, these days. <laughs> Fritz, lots Ross, of good... Ross, what's the cat? <laughs> crazy cat? Crazy cat. The callback that I fucked up. Crazy cat. <laughs> Fritz the cat was 1972. Yeah, not the fact whatever the fuck. Uh, There's a of good poems in here, mate, that very m- up to interpretation. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but I'm not really good with abstract thought. Mm. Um, but, uh, but yeah, okay. Well, how, how are your sutures? Everything healing? Uh, it's, it's not healing as fast as I would like. Uh, yeah. But I just keep my mind busy with the book, and she also has a sketchbook out on the table. And it's, oh, you've been drawing. Oh, yes. I mean, I was so inspired from New York, not just <laughs> our experience, but the art culture there, the Dadaism. The Dada. <clears throat> the Dada? I'm sorry? Yes, Dada. Yeah, that sounds like uh, melting. That, do you need a ner- do you need like a bedpan? What are you trying to say? Urinals. Yes, a bedpan, and I'll put my name on it and put it in a m- museum, and every- everyone would be like, "I guess it's art." Oh God! Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. All right, I feel you. Yeah. Okay. That makes sense. Cool. So you've been all right. Well, you've been drawing and you've been reading this horrifying tome, and it seems like everything's uh, coming along. Okay. Um. Well, I don't want to keep you awake or we'll let you rest up because, you know, like I think Mystery Squad. Oh, no, I'd rather be awake. Oh, okay. Okay, yeah. Yes. Well, um, I don't know if you, you know, want to be awake and uh, looking at me. So I'll, I'll go. But, um, you know, Mystery Squad, we're gearing up, right? We're going to next leg of this yes. adventure. Yes. I will be there whether I'm well or bandaged together. Okay. Great. Yeah, that's gonna be it's gonna be fun. I think it's gonna be fun. I think if there's anything we've learned so far is that we all just have a great time together. Um, yes. Troy, time out. Do, do we 
we told you, the players told you, where we're going next. The audience, do they know? No. We've, we've dropped a couple of clues here, but this might be the time for you to, All right. to talk yeah. about it. So yeah, heal up, you know? Jolly old England, baby. It's gonna be a, it's gonna be a gas. Um, I do, I do. Before we go, I, I do have to do one thing. Dum, dum, uh, dum, dum, dum. There's a knock on the door, and a man comes in wearing a beret and a very tight scarf, and he rushes to your bedside. Oh, Margo, oh, Margo, my darling. Speak of the devil. What's uh, are you all right? I heard you are in the hospital, and I I sent flowers and came as soon as oh. I could. Oh, oh! And he like uh, go, can I? Uh, oh, I will be oh, careful. Ow, and he ow, hugs you. Ow, oh, ow. my darling, are ow. you are you all right? Puts his hands on your face, and he's just ignoring you, Carter. Uh-huh. Are you all right, my sweet? Oh yes, I mean I I am injured, but I. I'm so inspired, and look at all of this art th- th- that I've made. She's showing him the sketchbook. Uh, yes, is yes, this... it's, it's beautiful. But what happened to you? How did you get uh, tied up into this? What, what is these? What are these wounds? Oh, um, well, I was in Harlem, in New York. You know, New York. <gasps> Should it's... I? I'll let you. I, I'll oh, let you hang out with you. Is this your father? This you is guys Carter. can have a. <laughs> oh, I was with him. In New York, this is Gunter. Gunter. He's my friend. Oh, friend. Sorry. Uh, Carter. This is your friend, Carter, yes? Yes. Yeah. Friends Hi. meet friends. Hello. Oh, yes, uh, Mr. Uh, Carter. Tillinghast. Very yeah. nice to meet you. Nice. Um, Carter shakes his hands like, oh, it's just sort of an older hand here. <laughs> I didn't want to break it. You know what I mean? Margo, I do not know what happened uh, to you. Uh, my accent is all over the place. It is sometimes French, sometimes it's, it's German. It's where we are from. It's, yes. Uh, yes, it is our, our specific town special, was once French-occupied. Our special friend <laughs> accent. But listen to me. I spoke to the doctor when I uh, was coming in. They told me what room you were in. I had this whole thing with the woman at the desk downstairs that was hilarious. But um, he says that you are good to be discharged uh, tomorrow and this is perfect because yes. I have booked us something and I, I, I hope you don't mind that I have uh, taken the um, initiative here. Perhaps you have other plans but there is a uh, retreat um, about an hour and a half from here uh, for artists and I thought if you are sick a hospital can only do so much to make you well I need to take you away take you to the country and perhaps we could also uh, have have a, a, a good catch up session it has it has been a long time you left so abruptly we didn't talk and then I hear you are in the hospital we go to this retreat and we draw and we we get back to nature oh yes I cannot wait to show you my new endless supply of inspiration. He's getting into cockaism. I'm sorry? Dada. Dada, dadaism. Dadaism. Yeah, she's been talking about it. So. Oh, very well. Yes. Um, I cannot wait. Um, Mr. Barter, it was wonderful to meet Carter. you. And um, I will pick you up tomorrow and we will go to the retreat and then we will, we will uh, talk about. Um, the future, yes, yes. That yes, sounds that sounds wonderful, Gunter. I'm so happy that you came and visited I, me. I am so happy to be here, and I just want to take you away from all of this, 
all of this danger. <laughs> oh, I don't no know if more. you can do that. <laughs> oh, well, I will. I'm very uh, convinced. You can try. Yes, I shall. No. Uh, the art will bring you home. I do not want to see you in the hospital with, with wounds in your stomach from Harlem. Uh, uh, it's not that bad. I will see you tomorrow. Yes. I p- please um th- th- thank you friend. Uh, yes. You are her friend. Thank you for watching course, over yes. her and keeping yeah. her safe. And uh, oh someone left an old schnitzel here <laughs> and he just throws it in the trash. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> cannot eat schnitzel that uh, smells like that. Um, <laughs> my flowers they seem to have been destroyed. Oh, those were your flowers? Uh, yes, I sent them to you. I on, I was on my way. I wanted oh. to uh, so to surprise you and here I am. Yeah. I will see you tomorrow. I will, we won't need flowers. Well, we're going. There are so many flowers. Oh. And I... Uh, well, hopefully so they won't turn to dust when we get there. <laughs> that or is maybe very... they won't be engulfed by the endless sun. You are very dark. That has not changed. And I cannot wait to see your beautiful face tomorrow. Any squeeze oh. Oh. <laughs> oh. Oh. So Please stop. I'll see you oh. tomorrow And he leaves uh, <laughs> uh, What's a special man What a great life you have I'm gonna go I'm gonna go Because uh, oh. my, my cigarette's out so Oh, okay I, I have a light No, okay. uh, I'm just gonna get a whole new carton I'm okay. gonna just take a Just a walk around the block 42 times I'll, uh, <laughs> But I'll talk to you later Yes, yes Great. Bye. Carter leaves. And so we'll say the next shot is just a car, a lone car going up the highway, going up the, I don't know if it was called the Taconic back then, but uh, that's what it's called now. You're heading to like, not upstate New York, but what would be Westchester. Maybe you even uh, see in the distance the prison where Hilton Adams was. Maybe you see the exit that you would take to get to the Carlisle mansion where you went to that crazy party but eventually um, Gunter pulls off uh, the road and drives down this beautiful like tree lined perfect trees Uh, there's like light snow on the ground um, and a house in the distance like a single farmhouse in the distance and as he pulls up a bunch of people in like um, uh, very loose fitting clothing uh, inappropriate for the weather come out and just great very artisty uh, pre-hippie hippies and uh, Gunter just grabs your arm like yes it is time it is time to return to your roots Lago this will be fun and you know, from there we see you in a room with all other artists around, and uh, you know Gunter's uh, painting as well. And are you are you a painter, or you just do photography, or you do a little bit of a sculpture? Many what are you doing? mediums: painting, uh, drawing, woodcuts, and photography. We'll say that this uh, retreat has like every couple hours you change their discipline. Like sculpting hour is next, but right now it's painting. And so everyone is painting, and Gunter is just kind of looking at you and smiling. How do you feel like in terms of seeing Gunter again and the sort of pull back to normalcy? You have a chance to kind of get away from all of this if you wanted to, versus like having a brush with death and knowingly picking up the case again. Maybe she feels like um, like they fell out, but this rekindling is fine because 
like her perspective and like life is so different now. And she did, like, even though it was horrifying, she did kind of succeed at like forging her own way a bit and gaining her own inspiration and altering her mind. Um, so maybe she's interested to see if and how he can like fit into that. And this little retreat is kind of like a nice escape before she goes back to continue what they were doing. But maybe Gunter can be in her life again and it makes sense and it's not overwhelming uh, and all encompassing. Is there a part of you that thinks you might just walk away? Or you want to see if you can combine both? Um, it's it's not that she's going to walk away. It's more like, like it used to be her being a part of his life. And now she's like, this is my life. And I see you trying to be a part of it. And you can be a part of it. Or I'm just going to keep on like time will keep moving on type of thing. So she's not putting too much pressure on it. But she's happy that he's there. Yeah. You're in it to win it. You have a meeting with Jonah Kensington and Carlton Ramsey in a couple days. You've told them that the four of you are planning on continuing this and heading to London, the last place where Jackson Elias went before returning to New York and before being murdered. They want to speak with you just to kind of touch base. Carlton is the one controlling the finances from Jackson's will to give you the money to be able to do this, although Vaughn has been putting you up in the nicest hotels uh, in town. Um, sounds like you're pretty much committed to doing that. So you're painting. Everybody's painting, and there's like the uh, the retreat leader is walking around, and uh, he stops by your painting. Oh. Well, that's very interesting. And... Uh, your painting looks like this. Ah, yes. Uh, for anyone not watching this, it's like a screaming, faceless, identityless person with maybe something coming out of its head. <laughs> it's a person wearing the mask. Oh, that's the okay, mask. The golden mask, but the mask that you kept seeing with four different heads on it. Their arms raised to the sky in a look of anguish, perhaps mixed with ecstasy. Definitely more anguish. Um, and the person is like, oh, well, this is rather interesting. Um, I don't want mean to interrupt, but may I ask you what uh, what we have here? Oh, um, this is um, just... You know, I don't know how to put words to it yet. Ah. I feel like perhaps it could be up to uh, whoever is looking at it to put their own meaning to it. I don't want to muddy any meaning, but I just, I feel so compelled to make these images. Hmm. And I hope that comes across on this man's face. A little bit of ecstasy in there, you know? Yes, it's, it's quite striking. Have you, have you spent some time in the Belgian Congo? Oh, no. Well, the reason I ask is I, I have. I, uh, I have a Belgian passport, and so I was feeling rather skittish and traveled to uh, all the places I could uh, get to with ease, and I recognize this. It is, uh, it's Congolese. Um, but I, uh, 
strange that you would draw that. Are you a, a, a an art historian? Um, I think I I get my inspiration uh, from all over, but I really love just mysterious, occult types of subjects. Very interesting. Very interesting. It's so funny that you recognize what I'm painting. Yes, yes, it's quite striking. I'm surprised you've never, uh, never seen anything like it. Well, uh, keep up the good work. And they. I watch him as he walks away. My smile drops. And uh, Gunter just is looking at you. And he's not really smiling like he was before. Kind of maybe sees something in you that's giving him pause. And the last thing we see is Vaughn finishing his prayer, getting up, doing the sign of the cross, and leaving the confessional. And we just see that little great there that separates the priest and the confessor I've never been to confession even though I went to Catholic school for 16 years but I would always kind of peer in there to see what it looks like and you know you see it on TV where you can kind of see the priest back there through little holes and we just as Vaughn leaves and shuts the door we just kind of pan back to that little grate and through every tiny little hole that separates the priest and the confessor, just like black ooze begins to seep through and just drip down the edge right onto the floor where Vaughn was kneeling. And we'll see you next week. We're back, baby! We're back, baby! Oh, yeah. So spooky. So spooky. I cannot wait. Strap in. Things are going to get crazy in England. We'll see you real soon. Thanks for listening to the Glass Cannon Network. For more podcasts and live streams, visit glasscannonnetwork.com. And for exclusive shows and content you can't find anywhere else, subscribe today at jointhenation.com.